Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Winging It Formula One podcast, which we're recording immediately after the end of a um, quite, for me, I'm going to say somber Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, I'm Freddie Coates. I'm here with Nigel Chu, Adam Dickinson. Um, all of us have just come off watching the race and reporting on it in our own ways. And obviously, there's one big defining factor, um, and that was the fireball accident uh, after turn three on the run down to turn four for Roman Grosjean for Haas Formula One team after cutting over the front of Daniel Kvyat's Alpha Tauri. He, um, yeah, speared into the, into the Armco barrier. His car split in half, wedging him and the, the survival cell of the front of the car through the barrier, um, splitting the, um, either the fuel collector or maybe something to do with the ERS batteries um, and igniting his car. Um, trapping him in a fireball for at least 20 seconds before he was able to be out of the fire when the medical car was able to assist him in release, but he was the one who basically kept, pulled himself out of the car. Um, yeah, of course, the race stoppage of uh, at least an hour and a bit um, to rebuild the, ba- well, to reform the barrier. Um, and then that, then a race restarted under the lights, obviously, in Bahrain. Lewis Hamilton won that quite comfortably with, with what was, seemed to be a race that, for me personally, I just wanted to get through. Um, lap, yeah. lap three was the restart of it, and on that lap, we were immediately under safety car as well after Lance Stroll um, came a cropper and was upside down. Um, fortunately, in quite a low-speed accident, and then we had just then had the race really. I don't know what else to say. I just yeah. So how are you two? Are you you guys doing all right? I'm a bit shaken up. I think you probably tell, but you guys. Yeah, I think that's yeah. well. I think that's well summed up, Freddie. Yeah, I think I because I wasn't. I was listening to it. I wasn't watching it, and I wasn't reporting it on anything. Um, so I just had it on in my ear while I was on for a walk. So I didn't get kind of the as sudden effect impact of the crash. It was kind of. You know, I kind of knew something had happened in the way the commentary team described it. So kind of when I did see see videos of it, then I was kind of knew something was going to happen in it. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, still really, really scary. And it just, it looks like a crash from the 60s or the 70s, you know, like the Nicky Lauda crash or, you know, any you know, a lot of crashes where there'd be a shunt, the car would burst into flames. A lot of times the driver won't come out in any recognisable form. And, yeah, and, you know, even once it's in flames and kind of you see you see just this inferno coming up and barely any of the cars, to be honest, because most of it's through the barrier. And then and then you just see Grosjean appear out of it. It's kind of horrifying because kind of when when I was seeing those replays, I kind of assumed that was, you know, after he got out, I didn't kind of realize until obviously he stepped out of the, the fire and over the, the barrier that he, he'd been in there. So yes, it's, uh, it, it's almost like a Hollywood crash. You know, it, it's like you see in a car chase, you see someone bump off, you know, and just kind of go into the wall, especially from the front on from turn four, 
um, from that kind of view, you just yeah. see it kind of, you know, go into the background and explode and then, you know, stuff carries on. But it was actually real. Um, so, yeah, you know, obviously questions and investigations need to be done on the barriers and I'm sure they will be on that type of barrier on every track. But, you know, on the flip side, you've got the fireproof um, overalls have, you know, saved saved Grosjean's life or saved you know a lot more damage being done to him and the survival cell in the halo has you know again most likely saved his life there so yeah you know there's a lot a lot to be thankful for I think. Nigel what do you think because obviously we watched it on television and yeah it's more of an instant stomach punch really when you're watching it there and the way it was edited was um, obvious, which was correct was that it was cut away immediately as soon as possible and not shown. The only the first return of a shot that was seen was Roman sat in the medical car. Uh, what what are your thoughts? What are your reactions? Well, I, I think we're very lucky today, to be honest, to not be talking about worse circumstances. It is, it is a miracle, quite frankly. And, you know, I, I, I remember... Moto GP this year in Austria, there was another miracle uh, crash. Well, not crash, or a miracle recovery that could have been a lot worse. And I think F1 was in that boat today. I mean, if it is just, yeah, it's it's quite stunning. The, the imagery was just shocking, and it was one of the worst crashes I've ever seen. And you know, I've unfortunately seen a few crashes where, you know, the worst does happen live. And I, I really thought that was a possibility today. Thank God it hasn't. Uh, you know, I, it brought me straight back to Spa last year in the F2 with Antoine Hubert and stuff. And, yeah, I, I couldn't really watch it. After, I couldn't really watch after that. And so today when I saw Grosjean was okay, it was, yeah, it was huge, really. Uh it's just a reminder of uh, what these drivers are doing, their effort, they're putting in, they're, you know, working all their lives, their family and their friends, they're, they're putting it all on the line every single weekend. <coughs> entertainment, essentially. Uh, but, yeah, I do. I think F1 is very lucky today, Grosjean is as, is as well, because if, if he was knocked out, which could have easily happened with such a big impact, he would have been in that fire for a long time and you know, I don't really, I don't really want to think about what could have happened, but luckily he was conscious. I think he was in the fire for about twenty, twenty-five seconds, and uh, the doctors, just the medical team, were unbelievable. Just hats off to them. Without them, you know, it, they have just done an unbelievable job. I can't speak. I can't give them enough praise. Uh, and yeah, we're very lucky today, Freddie. We are. Uh, Alan van der Merve, who is the medical car driver, and Dr. Ian Roberts, who sits alongside him, uh, both ran into the fire to put out Roman Grosjean and to get out Roman Grosjean um, and get him away from, from his wreckage. Um, and yeah, Nigel, you say there about not really wanting to speculate on what could have happened, but I think we all know... Mm what could have happened if the car had gone in at a slightly different angle into that barrier? Where would he have sat with the halo if, the, um, if, it, 
if it not kicked round as it did, it could have gone further if it had been slightly different. Marshalls could have been at risk as well. Marshalls were at risk, and Marshalls could have been even more at risk. Um, so I think we all tip our hats tremendously to the safety that is there um, that has prevented the worst here. You think back to what could have been in 2017 when we didn't have the halo, where the full frontal collision would have been on his helmet, a helmet which is nearly melted, the visor essentially melted onto his onto Roman and presumably down his fireproof overalls um, because it's just his raw face behind it. And there was no really issue there from what we saw. We saw him uh, teary in the medical car and I think I, I was surprised he wasn't keeled over in shock, if I'm honest. Um, and that just speaks of the metal that these, these drivers have. The fact that all 19 got back into the cars and, and committed to a full race distance. And the fact that like, you rose the MotoGP event, the fact that they all got on the bikes again at the Rebel Ring that week, and they had a double header of tracks then. Yeah as we do as well um, for the Formula One and got back on and got into it because they are elite athletes. And it, it, it does bring it back to people like Jackie Stewart, who pushed for so much safety in the late 60s, early 70s. And the fact that that's still developing now yeah. shows so much. So it's, it speaks volumes about what it was like in the past, the fact that we can still have an incident like this now. Um, but they're so few and far between. And I think the, the commentary team were talking about the only crash recently they can think of like that wasn't recent. It was 1989 at Imola um, yeah. with Gerhard Berger in the Ferrari. And that's, uh, that's 31 years ago. So, mm. yeah, I think it's a, it, thankfully is the freakiest of freak accident, accidents. And... Yeah, we're very, very happy. I speak for both of you, and obviously, to say we're so happy that Roman Groschen is safe, is alive. His family don't have to, would have had to have seen that live. And that's one of the most heartbreaking things for me that, that my, one of my first thoughts was which task driver is it? Magnussen's got a baby on the way. Groschen's got a, such a family. And if it was three races from the end of his Formula One career to, um, yeah, to to be killed, it's not. Let's not step around it. To be killed, then it would. It's it's a hard. It's really hard to deal with. And I think, yeah, I don't think Formula One needs to take a step back and look at itself because the driver has survived. I think there should be pride with that but yeah maybe armcos shouldn't have gaps in them i don't know i think we need to we need to we can have immediate reaction on that but i don't know whether we should wait a bit to discuss i would wait to be honest on I, I would, um, I would wait for the fia to. statements on that um it's at I a part you can go adam yeah i think just kind of a a wider point is how important it is that you, the FIA is, you know, continue, and they are continually kind of looking at where these freak accidents can occur. 
and you know that's the reason the halo was brought in because Alonso was you know potentially lucky to survive an incident with Grosjean at Spa um, and you know there was opposition to the halo coming in and if it hadn't come in Grosjean would have been killed now and then everyone who opposed it would I imagine be thinking very deeply about themselves and you know they'd just be so much sadness that you know they hadn't brought this in sooner so I think yeah just the F1 is continually looking at itself and even the the freakiest of accidents where you don't expect it to happen you know where just reducing the likelihood of that happening to to the minimum which you know obviously as we've touched on previously isn't what happened in um Turkey and you know we can yeah. say it's really unlikely for this to happen but you know what this shows is that even unlikely events do occur and I think just the other the other point that I thought about is kind of I think it's lucky but I'd stop short of calling it a miracle because it was F1's contingencies did work yeah. in that the survival cell worked the halo worked and the medical car and the marshals were able to respond to it quickly which is all things that as you said, F1 has built up, you know, from the 60s with Jackie Stewart and those pioneers of, you know, up to the present day. You know, it, it's all there for this type of event. So, yeah, on, on the one hand, you know, we'll wait to see what the FIA says. And obviously, they'll need to look at it quickly and efficiently because we're coming back to Bahrain and using that section of the track kind of in that configuration next week. Um, you know, and see what they think of and what they change or if they change anything. Um, but yeah, you know, just it, it proves that freak events do happen and how it, how important it is that even when something really unlikely like this does happen, there's still contingencies in place that prevent drivers being killed. Yeah, I don't know. I think for me it is a miracle, mainly because of the amount of factors that go into the crash. And yes, you know, it is the job of the medical team, the FIA, for it to be safe and that. But it, all it could have taken was, you know, 10 more seconds in the fire or something, or, you know, for him to be unconscious or to be a bit faster. And I really, I really do think, you know, luck is a part of it. And, uh, but yeah, it is a testament to how much progress we have made in safety in Ford One and in, and in motorsports. Uh, you know, we've just come such a long way with with so many things, and yeah, I don't know. It was just it was just a really tough crash for me to watch. And you know, I, I watch a, a variety of motorsport, and that was one of the, that was one of the very very few times I've had to like step back. Uh, yeah, I'm just staggered how how minimal. Grosjean's injuries are hopefully we'll we'll find out to be confirmed. Obviously, yeah, it's um suspected broken ribs are being is under evaluation currently. Um, and he has um minor burns to his hands and lower legs and feet. I think um which was released pretty early on from Hass uh, on their social channels. Um, so yeah, we um. Yeah, all the best with Roman Grosjean. He's in hospital in Bahrain. He's in the best possible place he can be. And we've, that's 
I think, yeah, it's I'm closer to Adam on, I think, less miracle, but very close to it. Yeah, it still is wonderful that the outcome is as it is. Um, I think we've probably said all we can on the matter for now. Uh, I think you can tell we're all <laughs> a, a touch shaken up by this. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll go on. We'll talk about the, uh, the rest of the Grand Prix, which did continue to go ahead after a lengthy, lengthy stoppage to repair the barrier. Um, and we had, after the red flag, we had uh, another grid start. We had um, an interesting order for that grid start because Bottas got a really bad start on his first, first start. It dropped to about sixth, so he started fourth. Um, I don't know if you've heard anything about why that was. I thought he should have started sixth. It was because they took it from the safety car line. So they did about 60 metres of the first lap and then they took it from there, by which time I think he'd been overtaken by Verstappen, but no one else. So, yeah, I think because that was the last time, that was the last time before the crash that they could take timings um, from. So, yeah, that's the reason. Okay, cool. So from there, Hamilton... Drove off into the distance, really. Um, took his 95th Formula One victory from his 98th pole position. Um, did come under quite close attack from Max Verstappen, I thought. Um, Red Bull kept him kind of honest, but there's also the inkling that I think Hamilton was just managing, managing that gap to such a level. Hamilton was not pushing, would you say? Yeah, I think he had it under control. I always, I always think Mercedes have more, a little bit more to spare. I think today was one of those races. If Verstappen did threaten a bit more, I think Hamilton, you know, had had speed within him. Uh, so yeah, he kind of just cruised to victory relatively, of course, because no win is easy. But yeah, it was a pretty typical Hamilton win, I'd say. Yeah, I think on. On the whole, it was one of the worst viewing experiences of a Grand Prix. It went on for about six hours. It had a near-death experience, and then it was boring from kind of there on in, I thought. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think, as you said, that uh, he always, you know, if he wanted to floor it and, you know, really break free, then he could have. But, you know, he's, he's Lewis. He doesn't do that unless he has to unless he has to and he didn't and then further back you kind of had battles that you thought oh that could be interesting and most of the time weren't you had Bottas falling out of contention so yeah overall it was not a great race in fact I put it down as the worst of the season I think okay, it was far. uncomfortable viewing I'd say I don't, I don't like I think just after the crash it was just it was edgy I'd say yeah. to watch I, I wasn't really fussed if it was boring or not after what had happened, to be honest, uh, you know. It yeah. feels kind of comical to talk about race strategies and um, <laughs> overtaking after, yeah, like you say, it was uncomfortable viewing. It was a case of watching the lap count. And seeing, I went, when we were about lap 30 odd, I was just thinking, okay, it'll probably stay like this. We'll be calling it a day soon, thankfully. Um, I think in isolation as a race, it probably could have been quite interesting strategically, but we don't really have that. I think we might be able to have that luxury next week a bit, maybe. Um, 
Um, but yeah, unfortunately, there's been obvious marring of this event. Uh, Max Verstappen, yeah, did come home second. Um, Three-stop strategy. Um, got the fastest lap. At the end, when there was a safety car for Sergio Perez, who we'll go into relatively shortly, um, having a heartbreaking engine failure a few laps from the end, there was a safety car and there was an inkling, perhaps, that Verstappen with fresh tyres could maybe even give a little bit of a one overtake for the if they had one lap sprint at the end, which they didn't. Um, and that seemed to be the closest Rebel could get to victory. Um, third place went to Alex Albon after Sergio Perez's um, failure. Um, Sergio Perez, once again, doing the job. Um, yeah, qualified fifth, made a good start twice, should have finished third. I think that's all we can say. Yeah, Verstappen couldn't have really done much more. Red Bull, they've been doing a little bit off with their strategy. They tried to stay with Hamilton's undercut because the undercut was massive around Bahrain, as it always was. And I think they just did the third stop to see just in case Hamilton's tyres would fall off the cliff or whatever. Mm. Uh, it didn't work. They just ultimately didn't have the pace. Verstappen couldn't have done much more. But yeah, Salbon. Uh, bit lucky i'd say just yeah. to get that podium but his, his pace was actually not bad relatively again com- compared to relatively to Alban, yeah <laughs> yeah compared to other grand prix this year his pace wasn't too bad it was still you know still more than pit stops advantage away from the staff into what 25 to 30 seconds which you know isn't good enough but compared to other races it wasn't too bad from Albon today yeah, I think this is the kind of race that he needed to have at Britain or, you know, so the further back, you know, now it's kind of like, oh, it's all right. You know, it's, it's, it, if this is kind of what he was building towards, it's not great. I know he said afterwards that he was taking a, you know, felt like he made another step forwards. And yeah, as you say, his pace was pretty good. He got fourth on the grid. He was the only, um, or he was the last car to be within a second of, Hamilton. Um, and yeah, he's got a podium out of it. And I think it does... Yes, he was lucky to get it. But at the end of the day, you've still got to be there. So, you know, while... While, yes, he wouldn't have got it if Perez had gone up in smoke equally, he wouldn't have got it if he'd not been faster than, you know, the 16 of the cars in the race or whatever. Well, he was so, one second slower per lap than the staff. Oh yeah, like yeah, but (laughs) but I just mean you know kind of when when you're comparing it to um, yeah other races where the whoever's in well one of the big three basically has been off the pace or retired or you know had some um, misfortune you know he's not often been in a position to take advantage of that obviously you know the two times he has a Austria and um, Mugello. So, yeah, you know, it, there's luck, but I think also you make your own luck a bit. And, you know, if you are in that position, if you are in fourth place, then, you know, you're the driver to benefit from that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's the question with Alvin is you can't, with the whole season, um, early on you can say, oh, his pace is really bad and he step up his pace. But realistically, he's not going to suddenly be seconds a lap quicker because that's not how it works, unless there's something severely wrong with what he has been driving, which there isn't. So the step up for him is to then be there 
to take advantage, which he was. Uh, yeah, he obviously lost the position to Perez at the start because he qualified ahead of him, but he stuck there and, yeah, got back into it when the result came to him. It's a mixture yeah. of luck, but he was there to pick up the luck. And I think there were a few stages in the race he probably should have been a lot quicker. For instance, when Perez was on hard tyres and he was on medium tyres and he was falling away from Perez. But um, I think, yeah, he was there to pick up the pieces and it's, it's a deserved podium. Um, Perez deserved a podium as well, but that, that's, that's how it is. It's not like... Yeah. It's not like Kimi Raikkonen's finished on the podium after driving backwards and everyone else has walked away. It's, he, he, drove, he qualified fourth and drove to third. Well, I've got a quote from Verstappen to the doctor media. The, the interviewer said, it's a good thing Alex had a podium today and scored some points. And Verstappen responded, well, yeah, that's your conclusion. But if you trail your teammate by 30 to 40 seconds, you can hardly say he did a good job. Still yeah. nice for Alex to score a podium, though. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what that's basically what we've said, it? isn't it? Yeah, well, this is straight talking, and that's his teammate. So, yeah. you know, yeah. usually, usually they're meant to be a bit, you know, team team game. But I well, maybe the team Stappen, game, the team game even, is to push the team to get to get yeah. errors. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's maybe, even maybe what the team game is. Him. He's just got to bully Albon. Got to be like, you scum, you shouldn't be here. Well. Well, all right, Adam. And then, right. and then, you know, that's the team. Don't that's turn what into the team Telling him to do. <laughs> I've never yeah. him that. And then, and then, um, yeah. And then, you know, he'll say that the pressure will mount up all on uh, on Albon, and then they can swoop in and bring Perez in. So, yeah, you know, it could be could be a conspiracy theory. It's heartbreaking for Perez though today, I think, because he he drove superb yeah. all weekend, managed his tyres perfectly. He was doing all the right things. Uh, there's yeah, been a few, he was, oh, I'm sorry, Freddie. It's all right. Continuously, if you look back on Perez, you've got Imola um, was set to finish third after Verstappen's failure. Unfortunately, the safety car strategy went against them because they assumed everyone would pit. Um, uh, Turkey, second, brilliant job. And then Bahrain, on set for third, brilliant job. Three drives in a row that have been outstanding. Sergio Perez and yeah what more can he do in that car I think I feel less I feel less bad now that he has got a podium if he'd not got one last time out and then again he'd suffered some massive misfortune I think that really stinks I think you know it it is a nice nice that he has got one for the season but yeah as you say you know he's especially where you look at where Lance Stroll has been he scored two points since his podium at Monza, kind of just where you compare those two, it's just absolute night and day between them. It's so costly though, the Perez uh, engine failure though today, because if you look at the constructors, I think McLaren have got yeah. a pretty relatively big lead now. So well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a huge, huge moment in that battle for, for third. Speaking of that, McLaren picked up fourth and fifth. Norris had a science 22 point haul, that is, mm. um, which would have been. Obviously, a position lower um, if, it, if it wasn't. So it, would have, uh, so it would have only been a few points difference to Racing Point with 15 points for a third place to Perez that should have gone their way. Perez would have all but sealed fourth in the, fourth in the Drivers' Championship with that. But now Ricardo is in fourth with 102 points to Perez's 100. Um, and Norris and Sainz are hot on the heels as well, in like the, in the, both in the uh, late 80s of points, I think. Um, 
So there's a few things heating up still to go because it could have all been signed, sealed, delivered. Um, or science still delivered. I genuinely yeah. thought that was what you said. Um, but yeah, it's a nineteen-point turnaround um, yeah, really in the constructors, which is just yeah, it's a lot to a lot to drop. And McLaren are the team that I said wouldn't get it. I thought it'd be between hmm. Racing Point and Renault, so that's gone well. Um, Goes well for next week. Yes. Was who would be your driver of the day? Do you reckon? Science had a good one. Perez, I well, think, I had a very so. good one. Um, Nigel? I know a lot of people you know, going with the medical driver, aren't they? But if we want to stick to the F1 grid, I guess. Uh, of course, the medical driver probably the honorary driver of the day. Yeah, yeah. Just actually have put together an honorary driver of the day for, mm. for Alan van der Merwe, So Probably Hamilton, I'd have to be boring. <laughs> yeah, no, he did didn't he? I will I think, say, though, I think both McLaren drivers had a great race today, especially, especially mm-hmm. Norris, who has been slightly off form recently. Uh, he had some great overtakes, made the strategy work, and science on he was on softs at one point, wasn't he? he made the yeah, soft he took the softs longer than most of the mediums. Incredible, because the soft tyre was not working at all, even though Pirelli recommended he should do a two-stop strategy. Two-stop strategy by using two sets of softs before the race, which confused me. But yeah, it was a, it was a, a great... Cooler. Um, the race obviously went on a lot later than originally planned. Um, the soft tyres were going off in FP1 in the hot, hot track temperatures in the daytime FP1. Um, in the night, a, cool, a much cooler night race that this became, as opposed to the twilight start, the soft tyres, I think, went, came into their own a bit better than they would have done. The hard tyre seemed to perform pretty well, I thought, as well, though. So Yeah, the hard tyre was the tyre to be day. on. Mm, yeah, the hard tyre was the tyre to be on, and I think that's where I thought Verstappen might have been able to challenge because he had two sets of hards compared yeah. to Hamilton with just one. Didn't happen in the end, but, uh, yeah, good day for, for McLaren. Mm. I think especially um, just seeing where they, have been, where they have been after qualifying, they were you know, kind of by far the worst position team for that third place battle in that, you know, Renault had both cars making it through to Q3, Racing Point had Perez qualifying fifth, I think, and then you had, you know, I think, was it Norris who got through to Q3, um, you know, in ninth, so it kind of looked there like they could take a bit of a hit, but yeah, they managed to turn around, so well done to them. So yeah, good points all for McLaren. Moderate points all for Renault. Um, it was kind of a weird weekend for them. Ricardo had good pace and quality. Ocon had good pace and quality. There were two thousandths between them, um, which you know speaks to Ocon maybe finally maybe breaking his duck on out qualifying Ricardo in the dry, but not quite. Ricardo got that little touch more than Ocon. It's thirteen one in qualifying for them too. So Ocon only beating him in Styria. Um, it felt to me a bit strange for their management of the race, Renault. I think they had the pace to potentially get some decent points. Um, they probably should have been... Ricardo should have been a bit closer at the end to science. Should have been ahead of Gasly. Um, but wasn't due to a few sort of weird calls with Ocon, who was the slower driver, holding up 
Ricardo. He's not so much of a team player. Um, I remember in Formula E a couple of years ago when Alex, Alex Sims was teammates with Antonio Felix da Costa. Um, and da Costa was still in the fight for the title sort of way, most of the way through the season in season five Formula E. And as soon as da Costa was behind him and they both were showing good pace, um, Sims goes, you want me to let him pass so that he can do this and go ahead for the championship? And that's team playing. That's how you play the team game. And it looks to me like Ockham would just say, never say anything like that based on this race. He was just like, there's a car. I have to defend. My life depends on it. I really like it. I think in, in the world that we are in now with F1, where everything is so calculated and the optimal strategy and the optimal time for going out for qualifying, everything is calculated by computers. And the one thing that can scupper all of that is human stubbornness. And I love it. I think it's great. Um, I think there should be more of it in the sport because it mixes things up. It, you know, it makes things tasty. So yeah, you know, obviously it's not best for Renault when they're trying to sell a Clio, but you know, I, I just, like it, I think. <laughs> it, I like it's, it as well. It's, it's an antidote to kind of all the mechanisation and technologized technologicalization uh, in F1. Technological advancement. I like it as well, but for Renault and for Ocon himself, it does not do him any favours because if you yeah. say Renault drop him or whatever, and he's looking for another team, this is a factor which other teams won't like because they like yeah. the team player. So it doesn't do him any favours uh, at all, really. Uh, but Renault have dropped off, it looks like, compared to McLaren and Racing Point. Mm. I think I think the qualifying base is strong, so they're able to switch on the tyres. But then in the race, this is going against them. Uh, and this seems to have quite high tyre wear compared to Racing Point and McLaren from what I've analysed, I guess. Looking well, at I'm only sitting at home, so, talk, yeah. Talking about what you said there, Nigel, about it not doing Ocon any favours with this stubbornness. Um, the mm. team I kind of look at that it wouldn't do any favours for would be Mercedes, where, the, yeah. where um, Ocon obviously is a junior driver. They funded his career basically until now he's with Renault. Renault. And um, the reason Bottas is still in that seat, we'll speak about Bottas very soon, um, the reason Bottas is in that seat is because of how good a team player he is, how amazing Mercedes is as an atmosphere now that they've got away from the Hamilton-Rosberg rivalry years. And if you bring in Ocon, if he's got the pace to match um, a Hamilton there, it would be an unharmonious relationship to such a level. Um, if, if Ocon got even a sniff of having to defend from Hamilton, then it would be putting him out onto the dust, onto the grass if it was a different track. And um, Bottas is not like that and that's why he's still at Mercedes so I think it's great to see some good racing um, but for Ocon I think yeah it's just another thing to another string to sort of remove from his bow is being I, a team I, player I'd agree although on the flip side if I was Hamilton I wouldn't be too worried to be honest I don't, I don't, I don't feel like there's going to be uh, loads of times where he's going to end up behind Esteban Ocon having in a Mercedes through, yeah, kind of with yeah, yeah. I, 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 but yeah, I completely get your point. You know, it's not, and I do think lengthy career. Yeah, I do think twenty twenty two, he will be out of a drive. To be honest, from what kind of I've seen, and we can go into this another day. But you know, it is it's you know good future planning um, to be thinking about those types of things, and you know, it's not 
I think also pick your battles. You know, it didn't mm. really feel like he had much to gain from it other than, I don't know, putting down a marker like psychologically in his team. I don't really understand. Um, obviously, he's the one that's staying on the team, so I don't know whether that came into it in his head. But yeah, I think, you know, if it was for a podium position or something, then he was going, no, I want to stay out of here, you know, fair enough. But if you kind of, you know, if you just, yeah, it, it, it's just going to come down the line to haunt him later on in the season yeah. or his career. He'll get an Alpine out of it, though, and that's a cool car, so maybe. Um, yeah, it's a worse company car on the grid, though, I think. Fair. It's not an Aston Martin or Ferrari, it's true. Um, or a Mercedes Project or, One. Um, or a Honda. Honda NSX. Great car. Yeah. Um, splitting, the, splitting the Ricardo and the Ocon is Valtteri Bottas in a stunning eighth-place finish for a Mercedes car. Um, after a poor start, on lap one, um, where he drops to sixth behind Ricardo and Albon and Perez and Verstappen and already behind Hamilton. Um, he then had an okay second start and then got a puncture and had to pit and basically spent his days trying to claw back any chance of a decent points finish, which didn't come. He was up with like 10 laps from the end he was five seconds ahead of George Russell. And yeah, he, he, that's not good. Yeah, he had no pace at all. Just, just I mean, his second weekend in a row where his pace deficit is just not there. Uh, this time, I'm pretty sure that he, there was no damage to the car, so he can't use that excuse. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure what's happened. It, it just seems he got us as handling the tyres like he used to perhaps compared to earlier in the season he's not on top of it compared to Hamilton or maybe Hamilton has got on top of it more as the season has gone on and that's exacerbating the, the gap between them perhaps but it's just not there uh, for whatever reason I can't really explain it but yeah his second place in the world championship is in big danger if he, if he can't improve a bit next week yeah, I think what I think partly what we saw is the difference between Hamilton and Bottas. That you know he's fast in terms of pace, but you know, kind of this is one of the areas that he is weaker at is coming through the field. It yeah. also made me think about how good is this Mercedes in terms of once it actually gets behind a car. We've seen several times over the season it has struggles, kind of. Um, to get past and keep itself cool and keep itself functional well, getting past or working through a train. So it just kind of makes me think, hmm, if there were... That definitely comes into it. I don't know if it is Bottas' hands, actually, because I was about to say this. Hamilton was behind Vettel for so long in Turkey. True. Um, mm. I think and, the, the flip side would be at Monza, where Bottas spent like half the race stuck in fifth and Hamilton kind of carved his way up to about seventh from... 16th or then if you look at that the cars that Hamilton the cars that Hamilton passed to be able to do that are the same cars that Bottas was able to pass today it's basically the same cars ahead of Bottas that are the same cars that were ahead of Hamilton Um, and if there had been a few more laps maybe Hamilton could have passed them in Monza and maybe Bottas could have passed them today but it seems to be that they can get past the slower cars but the midfield is much easier to get mired in and we've criticised 
Albon and, and Gasly in the past and Red Bull quite a lot for being mired in yes, the midfield and getting stuck behind. And I think yes, Mercedes is, is um, the Mercedes issues with that maybe takes a little bit out of the off of their backs because it's clearly very hard for a fast car to get through the midfield anyway. Mm, it kind of it makes me think if there was a serious competitor to Mercedes this season, I think that would be quite an interesting angle to it. But there isn't. So it's kind of the odd race where one of them um, if we had a championship battle, get... it would be very interesting. Yeah, but <laughs> it's not. Um, the, the other thing that they mentioned in commentary was how often Bottas seems to be getting debris in... Um, yeah, does he not yeah. see it? I don't Listen, know. Do other people see it? Does it is, he, is he going around with like magnets on the front wing or what? I don't really understand. But yeah, I don't know. It's um, just, just another interesting tidbit. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's an interesting tidbit. He had his um his uh chunk of Ferrari inside his car in Imola. Jack Nichols or Bottas? Jack Nichols. Um and Jack Nichols also had power steering issues um during the Turkish Grand Prix um and spun quite a lot. Um due to well, it doesn't the thing with Bottas seems to be that it doesn't really help himself. Um he had the bad start. That wasn't the, the puncture, um, mm-hmm. basically. And, yeah, he put himself in positions that led to the issues. Um, yeah, he's had a fair share of bad luck as well. But, and the fact that not the majority of the other people haven't hit the debris. But we saw a few front wings crack today. Um, mm. Daniel Ricciardo's plank seemed to go on the bottom of the car at the end. Uh, Lando Norris got a lucky escape of basically being in the back of the train for the whole race on lap right one, the front well. wing went. Um, and I think a right similar thing happened to Vettel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a... Um, I think the, the word of the weekend is abrasive on tyres, but it's abrasive on cars, as Bahrain. So. It's abrasive. Abrasive, yeah. It's nearly an anagram for abrasive as well. bahrain Um the final points position went to <laughs> oh, my brain's like I said. Final points position went to Charlotte. Um tenth place for Ferrari. Vaguely tidy. Um you seem to get a few good moments and a few poor moments. And that's the same really of every race for Ferrari. Yeah. Yes. I mean I thought Ferrari would be quicker you, this weekend than they were. Yeah, for you two both predicted. Ferrari podium. Well, yeah, the patience wasn't there. It just the track way. I think it was always going to be a struggle. And uh, yeah, just tough. It's tough. I think next week will be will be the same. I don't know. I think, but yeah, is is one. I think Leclerc was someone who a lot of people thought. And possibly me, I can't remember. Thought, oh, you know, he could be a surprise. He can do something package. special, can't he? Yeah, and he didn't. Um, I don't think you he did, to be fair. Get a point in that. Well, yeah, based on Vettel's <laughs> performance, maybe he did do something a lot special. Vettel, uh, yeah, that's finally getting fair. going. Vettel got overtaken and overtaken and then was falling off the back in 18th position. Uh, the last of the mm. runners after Sorrell and Grosjean were out and he was falling off of Kevin Magnussen's pace. So, um, Vettel was basically saying how different the car was feeling to the past two days. And I don't know whether that's due to 
car damage or whether it's due to um, anything different. But if Leclerc was feeling similar, um, in, seeing similar differences with the car to the previous few days, then he did a much better job. Um, but we haven't heard mm. the complaints that we did from Vettel from Leclerc. So, no. Um, we haven't spoken about Gasly. He finished sixth um, due to arguably being saved by the late safety car to not being passed by Ricardo or Bottas. Um, but sixth place is a very good position for him. Good points to Alpha Tauri um, in a weekend where their pace seemed to be a little bit, a little bit just off the points around Ferrari pace, I'd say. I thought yeah. it was better. They both made it to Q3, and they, and I think through on an FP3, they did quite well. But I think they, I think they were doing all right. And yeah, again, I think it comes yeah, back 11, to yeah, that's a good point. I think you know, and that was 11th with Korea plus a 10-second penalty, I believe, for the quite harsh yeah the very bad start collision. he ends up in 19th and then yeah collided with so, stroll as well as Grosjean so I think you know and again it with with Gasly yeah you know he got lucky but he made his own luck to be in the situation you know he was in mm-hmm. sixth in the first place so yeah I think you know good a good weekend for AlphaTauri did they score more points than Renault um, as well as same points as Renault yeah, yeah basically um, so yeah I think it's, it's a bit weird with them. You don't really know what they're racing for. They just kind of turn up and surprise you on a weekend and do well. And you think, oh, that's nice. And then they kind of move on to the next weekend. Um, yeah. Good on Gasly. Yeah. He's a great strategist because he changed to hard tyres after the red flag, didn't he? And so he went hard, then hard again, I think, going off memory, which was a fantastic. Well, yeah, quite. A minor masterstroke, I'd say, because hard tire was comfortably the best tire. But only driver to do um, <laughs> at the red flag to stop. Are we laughing at Adam. I was just is that another appropriate? Is, no, I was thinking, is that another award that we're going to do the minor masterstroke of the day? <laughs> and it's for something that you know is not absolutely mind blowing, but it's also nice. You know, it caused a good result for someone. A good job. It deserves a thumbs up. Thumbs up. I think it's a great strategy. Well done, Alpha Tower. Yeah, harder, harder to do that on your phone. There you go. Um, we don't know. If, I don't know if it's going to show up in the recording of this Zoom call. But <laughs> on the Zoom call, there's a button that says reactions, and you can put up a thumbs up. So we've done that. Um, yeah. So my well Alpha Tower of the day goes to Alpha Tower. <sighs> we'll come up with a jingle for that for next week. Um, so. For the drivers out of the points who we haven't spoken about, I'm going to ask you two to give um, some brief, quick responses. No, not this. I think yeah. it's good. I Bring think it's it. good. Yeah, see, Adam wants to do it, and that's 50 50 split. And I think he's a bit taller than you, Nigel, so yeah, yeah, maybe it's more of a 60 40 split. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, Kvyat, Nigel, go. Uh, and just know. penalty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, George Russell in 12. Adam, you first. Very close to points. You just needed a few more drivers to crash and or oh, have yeah. a mechanical. And, you know, it, it, Story of his wasn't, life. it wasn't a crazy enough race for him, ultimately. Yeah, solid. Mm. That's nice. Nigel's very much going for the one word. Adam's going for the brief. Um, Okay, 13th, Vettel, Sebastian Vettel. Oh, God. 
I, I expected a bit more from Vessel. And, you know, after qualifying and giving his form at Bahrain, I thought he would do better. But uh, just couldn't, the car, I, I don't know what was up with it. I mean, I think he might have had damage because I think he touched Magnussen early on in the race on the second restart. I'm not quite sure. But... Magnussen came into yeah. the back of him when he stopped. Yeah, that was it. Wasn't Stroll it? flipped. So he might have yeah. had um, some a lot of downforce to the rear end of the car. Yeah, possibly. And yeah, Vettel's a very rear-dependent driver, to be fair. Um, Adam? Um, I think it maybe does... When you're looking at his results in Turkey and you're thinking, is this a turning point towards the end of the season? Or is it a one-off freak result in a freak race? Yeah, I think it no. kind of points, points to that being more of the latter rather than the former. But, you know, he's, he's only got to endure two more weekends of this and then he can be at Aston Martin. So, you know, just get yeah, through it. There's so. a driver in there and he's not been able to extract really anything. It was. <laughs> yeah. Um, 14th place, Nicholas Latifi. Completely yeah. under the radar. I didn't notice him all weekend, I'll be honest. Adam, are you just going to ask who? Uh, yeah, there's, there's, I don't know anything about. I don't remember anything about his race. He turned up, he drove. He liked Julius Caesar. He turned up, he drove, and then he's gonna stay in the country for another week. All I noticed about Latifi was that he did a, had a dire qualifying and got an excellent start for the first start, then got a woeful second start and reversed all of his good work, and that's about it. Um, yes, um, Kimi Raikkonen, fifteenth position. Mm. He had Bottas behind him for a bit, didn't they? Mm. They all had Bottas behind him. With a broken a front wing as well, which I thought he, he carried that well, front wing for pretty much all the yeah. race, I think. So that That'll be cool. my brief thought. Rolling back I thought they the changed years. it. Oh, did, oh. No, they did change it because he had then a whole a tete a tete with Daniel Kvyat after his um, ah, yeah. second time penalty. Yeah. Again, like Seb, there's a driver in there. 2007. Um, Antonio Giovinazzi. I don't know. That's not the Italian national anthem. At least the one that I've heard. He went too far away from Q2, actually. He was only... Uh, the pace recently in qualifying, Giovinazzi. I think he was... Was it point, 0.027 uh, away from Lando Norris? Who had, fun fact in your head. Did he get to do a final lap? I can't remember. Um, but, yeah... Uh, Lando backed out because everyone else didn't improve enough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Giovinazzi, he nearly made it to Q3. Uh, sorry, like Q2. Quite, probably it's not like Q3. quite a disappointing race, really, if he, did, if he had that kind of pace to finish behind his teammate and both Williams. Yeah, I'd probably... probably and, you know, even Seb, to be fair. Yeah, I'd probably agree. Um, yeah, onwards. And then, pro, I don't know, plateau. 2021. Nigel, yeah. anything to say about the luscious locks of Antonio Giovinazzi? Nothing from me, Freddie. Lusciously locked Antonio Giovinazzi, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, Kevin Magnussen, um, I think, yeah. Not really, basically where you'd expect the Haas to finish. Yeah, especially after the crash. You know, being yeah. his teammate. Mines might be elsewhere. It's even, even harder, even for a hard head like Kevin Magnussen. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're going to, obviously, you know, we don't know the drivers at all. If you're going to kind of pick, you know, maybe the most mentally 
hard driver. I think Magnussen would be up there, but you know, it's always going to affect you. And yeah, I mean, again, I don't really know much about his race. He pootles around. Um, and yeah, you the know, back he's, of um, Vettel and had to mm, drop back at the first second safety. I, well, second actually, safety, I think safety the what I'd take from that is if you're Mazepin and or Schumacher looking at next season thinking yeah going to be an F1 driver going to drive the Haas yeah. it's not great the 2022 Haas you know we can maybe talk a bit about this a bit more next week I don't know but we'll have a lot know, of off-season discussion about this if, if they're if, if Magnussen and Grosjean are kind of getting these performances out of the Haas who are two proven performers and have got podiums in F1 having two rookies coming in one of whom is a pay driver doesn't maybe bode too well I'd say I so my biggest takeaway from the opinion of everyone there Adam I think my biggest takeaway from Magnussen's race is about Schumacher and Mazepin <laughs> nice and we've spoken about the last of the classified drivers who is Sergio Perez um, see. I think there is not really anything else for us to say there uh, we've covered a few bases in this podcast. Obviously, we have we started very muted, very somber tones of this podcast. Um, and yeah, we've we've progressed to talk about the race. Um, we hope you have enjoyed listening to it. It was yeah, we know it's going to be in a tough day for everyone watching that race. Um, and yeah, all our thoughts are with everybody who watched the race, who was affected by that race, who is at the race, who get well soon, Roman. Get well soon, Roman. Uh, yeah. If, if this is the end of his Formula One career, that is incredibly. I hope it's not. Sad. I, I hope it's do not. really hope he gets the chance to see it out because I think I, I do think he deserves it. You know, he's been on the grid long enough, and 2009 was his first Grand Prix. Yeah, it, it just it doesn't decades. feel like a Roman thing to do to kind of go out early. You know, oh, kind wow, of the king, the, wow. the king, the king of holding on. Um, to a seat as long as possible, you know, I think it would feel quite sad if this was yeah. kind of how we bowed out, I think. I agree. I hope we can see him back on back on the grid, if, if not for the Sakir Grand Prix, for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in two weeks' time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All our thoughts to everyone who has been involved today. Um, and I think a hand, obviously, for Alan van der Merwe, Dr. Ian Roberts, the incredible safety team uh, at, on the ground in Bahrain, the marshalling team um, who dealt with the, um, who ran straight, if you watch the replays, you can see them running straight to the fire and that is completely against every every solid instinct in the world. So fantastic, fantastic job from everyone there and I think we'll start this podcast as we've begun it with um, a thank you. So yeah. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for watching and thank you to everybody in Bahrain. All the best. We'll see you uh, later on in the week to go over probably a lot of what we've spoken about already today and to look ahead to hopefully some very positive news. So, yeah, thanks very much, everybody. Bye.